personally, but other people that maybe didn't love their body at first, or like you kind of said, like, I think you even posted once about having like workout phobia and not, you know, really being into working out, and now your whole mindset's changed. And, it really you know, has. I think it's inspiring that people need to see that. They need to see that people that have had issues with that or had fear or uh, uh, challenges with working out or healthy eating how they've changed and how you know anybody can do it you just have to really push through those well and it's not just like i want to be skinny thing Mm -hmm. like it's a i want to feel good thing i want to feel powerful in my body i Mm want to feel capable Mm -hmm. in my body and like i have spent my entire life not feeling those things Welcome to the Hollywood Hustle Podcast, where we share the stories and struggles of actors, models, dreamers, and more attempting to climb the ladder of success and how they survive the city of dreams, Los Angeles. Hello and welcome to episode 48. I am your co-host, Michael Lutheran, and today we are back with act two of Daniel's conversation with actress, model, activist, and podcaster, Grace Gordon. Unfortunately, I was unable to join this discussion, as Daniel mentions at the top of the interview, I was taking in some family time, but I wish I could have been there for this fascinating conversation as Daniel and Grace break down the complicated history of body image and health in the entertainment industry, how this focus on physical health affects actors' castability for certain roles. They also discuss the new trends of fitness culture and the benefits of accountability, and they each share some of their favorite books that can have a positive impact on your artistic endeavors. So, a lot to share with you today, but I first wanted to respond to a listener question we received. As many of our listeners know, we are on social media, and we love to hear from you. Thoughts about what you hear on the show, questions you may have for us or our guests, and if you have thoughts about what you hear on the show, questions you may have for us or our guests, or if you want to share your own hustle, we are here to support you. Shoot us a message on Twitter. We're at LA Hustlecast, Facebook and Instagram at Hollywood Hustle Podcast, or you can email us at Hollywood Hustle Podcast at gmail.com. Now, today's listener question comes to us via Instagram from a gentleman by the name of Nathan Mitchell. On Instagram, he's at Nathan.Mitchell54. And Mitchell writes in, I'm completely new to acting. And when I say new, I mean no experience at all. Have you got any tips on where I should start or any tips in general? Well, thank you so much, Nathan, for this question. It may seem like a simple question for some. But as the saying goes, the journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. So I want to acknowledge the fact that Nathan's taking that step and asking. And because he's also asking us from Cardiff, Wales, over in the United Kingdom. So first of all, wow, like this is so wonderful to hear that you, Nathan, found us and our community from all the way across the pond, and we're so grateful to have you as part of our tribe. Now, Daniel responded before I did, and he said, classes and reading. Find a small class with really good reviews. Acting will become your skill, your tool, your talent. Read acting books. Like any skill, you need to read the manuals and how-tos. And finally, do. Find a place to audition and keep an eye out for friends making things. Not all methods will be for you, but you'll find your style or what fits you best. Now, I think Daniel said this perfectly. And being the actor who's currently pursuing acting here in Los Angeles, uh, I wanted to add a little bit more. So I picked up the conversation and have learned that 
Nathan's actually considering moving to Los Angeles uh, to pursue his career in acting. So again, first, I want to congratulate you, Nathan, for declaring your passion. It's so easy to let judgment of others stop us from pursuing the life of a creative. But by reaching out and asking how you can start, that's such an important step. So congrats to you, buddy. You you made it through that first question. And now, as we've been communicating, it's just a series of steps that you need to follow. Secondly, I added on to what Daniel suggested. Enroll yourself in classes. You're so fortunate to be living in the United Kingdom, which is a country that supports the arts in ways we Americans could only dream of, especially in the theater. But what's important is that you find a class or a program that resonates with you. And to not just rush to L.A. because that's where a lot of actors are, quote-unquote, supposed to go. You see, Los Angeles is a city and an industry that expects actors to have trained prior to moving here because, you know, if you do book something, whether that's in the theater or television or film, the people who are booking you are expecting you to know what you're doing. A lot of money goes into these productions, and sometimes you can be on a set surrounded by over a hundred people, whether that's crew or actors or extras, and they're all waiting for you to do your line, do your work, and they're not going to have the time to teach you your craft. And so if the choice is between someone with experience versus someone without much experience, then you're going to have to do a lot of work to get noticed by casting directors for them to look over everyone else who has resumes that's padded with experience to go with someone who's an unknown. So not saying that it can't happen. Of course, it has happened. There are exceptions to any rule out there. But you want to come here, especially if you're moving from so far away and you're going to be spending a lot of money to move here. You want to make sure that you're coming with everything that you got and that you're ready to go. And classes here in L.A. are expensive. I can tell you from experience that on average, you're going to spend anywhere from $200 to $400 a month alone just on classes. See, it's better to save money and build up your experience by booking work locally in the United Kingdom. That way, when you do move to Los Angeles, you'll be experienced and confident, and you'll know that you're ready. Because you won't need to ask yourself if you are. And I know that in last week's episode, Grace talked to us about how she feels life experience is more important in some ways for actors. But there is definitely a conversation to be had about the education route. Of course, Grace wasn't saying actors shouldn't take classes. It's quite the opposite, actually. She encouraged the study of one's craft and gaining life experience, which is, of course, what many actors draw from. You know, As someone who went through the traditional path by going to college for a degree... I also felt that I gained the experience I needed to come to L.A. So in the end, do what's best for you, Nathan. The path of an artist isn't contained to one specific set of instructions. It's a blank canvas, and you get to choose what experiences you will color your life with. So close your eyes and envision what your masterpiece looks like. How you choose to paint is up to you. So thank you so much, Nathan, for that really, really important question. If you have anything else you would like to add or share with Nathan, please reach out to him on Instagram. Again, he's at Nathan.Mitchell54, or send us your thoughts, and we'll forward them over to him to HollywoodHustlePodcast at gmail.com. 
with that, let's get this Act 2 discussion with Grace Gordon started. Take it away, Daniel, and I'll see you guys on the other side. Hello, everybody. Daniel back here. I'm here once again with the wonderful and positive and energetic Miss Grace Gordon. Hello, Hello. Grace. We we are just a duo today. Michael could not be here for the roundtable discussion. He is a family event, so we completely understand. He's you know having a, a wonderful time celebrating his girlfriend's mom's birthday. So we wish them the best, and I know he's having a great time. So it's just going to be being Grace. Chewing the fat about a few things. Happy birthday, mom. Yeah, happy birthday. <laughs> so one of the things I think I really wanted to kind of talk to you about, because I feel like, especially in the sense of modeling and, and acting, especially as actresses, um, is body image. And um, I know for me, I, I've always been a big guy. And so body image has been really an interesting place in my life as well. And so, especially in L.A., you know, the, always the joke of, like, you're a Minnesota 10, but, like, an L.A. 4, you know, like, things like that. And so, just want to kind of chat about that a little bit and about your thoughts on body image, especially as an actress, and how you're perceived and how people think you should be perceived at the same time. So, oh, cringe. Um, <laughs> one of my first nights about, upon moving here, I went out to dinner with a friend and um, and I was, I was laughing at how beautiful everyone is here. Mm-hmm. And I was actually saying that it, it made me sort of feel comfortable. This sounds really conceited, but like in Philly being really glamorous and like whatever, mm-hmm. like actually often made me feel out of place and kind of uncomfortable because that's just sort of how I present myself and mm-hmm. how I'd like to present myself. But it was sort of made me feel like an outsider. You do have an old Hollywood glam persona about you. I do. I absolutely. And I mean so, that in the best way. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. So so I was like laughing that like I actually sort of felt more like a normal person here, mm-hmm. which was good. Right. And my my friend um, immediately goes, "Well, yeah." It's like he's like, "Yeah, how do you feel now that you're you know you're a Philly Philly ten and LA six? And I was like, "Excuse me." And he was joking, but I was like, whoa, that was weird. <laughs> it's a weird thing to say it's to somebody. It's a weird thing to say to somebody. Mm-hmm. And I give him shit about it a lot still because I would, I, that whole rating thing is so gross to me and mm-hmm. I like would never say that to someone. Right. So, you know, body image, I mean, <laughs> especially as a, as a model and, mm-hmm. and, and as an actress who's on screen all the time, like, yeah, I've got my, I have my share of issues. Mm-hmm. I do. Um, the reality is that I'm I'm not that that I'm presenting myself as a leading lady mm-hmm. often, and the expectations of of that kind of character, mm-hmm. that kind of, or especially obviously being a model is you know f- being a certain size, um you, you know looking perfect, mm-hmm. having great skin. So on days where I you know I'm having a breakout or whatever, I'm bloated. Like I like I really have this disconnection sometimes where I feel like I'm not myself if I'm mm-hmm. not perfect looking. Right. Um, you know, there's a lot of pressure here to, to be thin and whatever. Mm-hmm. If you're going for a certain casting, like that is actually part of the job. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, there are certainly times where I wish that weren't true, but like it really 
is part of the industry and it's part of the job. And again, it's like, I think Hollywood's expanding its ideas of beauty and, and just like casting in general, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. But um, I try to just sort of be practical about it because at least for the kind of casting that I do go out for, it's like, it is actually part of the job mm-hmm. for me to present myself a certain way. Right. And, you know, it's like uh, when I go back home to Philly, I feel kind of, I tend to feel really self-conscious about being very healthy mm-hmm. and being very disciplined because I it, it often makes other people uncomfortable because they feel like your lifestyle is a judgment of their lifestyle. Right. And that is so not the case. Mm-hmm. So I remember like going back home like maybe six months ago or something and my mom and I stopped to like get food somewhere and I, you know, I just got like salad or whatever it was. And, mm. and she looked like she was, like, she was saying, Oh, do you want this sandwich? Do you want this? Is that? And I was like, I'm just gonna get a salad. And I went, I'm sorry. It's part of my job. And that was kind of such like a sad moment for me, <laughs> but um, because I feel like I have to apologize for taking like really extreme care of my body. Right. It is also part of it mm-hmm. to me. It is. And, um, So there's a lot to navigate there and there's a lot that I'm always going to be unpacking both my discomfort and how perfect I feel I have to look, Mm -hmm. but also, you know, that I accept it in a weird way Mm -hmm. um, and that I hope it changes, but I, you know, just need to be in that space a lot of the time. It's complicated, man. It's, it's really hard because especially, you know, I kind of like that the idea of talking about this with you, with having an actress and an actor um, discussing it and, and the idea that I feel with guys there's this like you gotta have muscles yeah. and you gotta have abs and if you don't you're gonna be the funny best friend who can't understand how women work like right. you know and what I mean? want to think that we're so evolved yeah. right as a as a culture mm-hmm. um, but we're not yeah. like that thing you said and again this is the hard truth mm-hmm. is I'm like that's kind of true here mm-hmm. you're like that's the casting you have to accept unless right. you're making your own work right. it's fucked up yeah. um, and and it still is so very much mm-hmm. exists and, and like you said kind of like I can't think of his name Jason Siegel you know yeah. not your typical leading man looking guy but he writes his own stuff and makes it and it works Mm -hmm. and i think that's the thing is like it's it's seen as oh no you have to be this good looking to be a leading man until they can see oh he can be a leading man it's you know it's so funny yeah that you say that because i actually i think that there are so many examples Mm -hmm. of men or women who Mm -hmm. are not like traditionally leading men or leading women oh god that just that phrase is so mm, Mm -hmm. you know it's what that means the undertones of that phrase is so so annoying but uh, there are obviously plenty of examples especially in comedy of actors who don't fit that typical bill but are still the lead of a series or the lead of a movie but the reality is those are actors who made their own work like that's a really crazy thing is anyone i can think of in this conversation made their own work yeah i'm like lena dunham like uh, you know she made girls um my favorite actor of all time is john leguizamo Mm -hmm. who is for so many reasons an extremely talented creative powerhouse type Mm -hmm. of person who has been resilient in an industry that tried to cast him as a Latin actor Mm -hmm. only as a drug dealer his whole career 
And he basically went in out and he made his own work and he made multiple incredible one man shows on Broadway yeah, um, that really expanded like the, the audiences on Broadway mm-hmm. as well, because there were finally like kids coming to um, dates to go see his shows. Right. But yeah, the whole leading man, leading lady conversation is really difficult because it shouldn't exist. And in some ways, I'm going to be totally vulnerable here. Like, I feel powerless to it. Because if I'm not making my own thing, like, if I am going out after roles, I have to look a certain way. Mm -hmm. Like, if I'm, you know, going to a studio, I think that I do. Yeah, so that's the hard truth, is, like, I'm, like, the super feminist who wants to see, like, body diversity Mm -hmm. and, obviously, racial diversity. Dear God, please, in film and TV. And I feel often... Like, okay, but for myself, mm-hmm. I have to fit this certain standard. Yeah. At least right now. I think that's there's people that I love, like Paul Giamatti. Oh, yes. And like um, uh, uh, James Gandolfini and people who were able to do drama and be big guys, but lead a, a, a movie or something as a big guy and, and really show range. Because like, again, like Jason Siegel, he was the lead and, you know. The, these movies but again they were all comedies right and again okay. it's like you're the funny you're the funny big guy or you're the funny weird looking guy and it's like you have to have you have to t- look a certain way to be the melly but then you look at back in the 80s tom hanks not your typical leading man would he be able to be a leading man now is a really interesting question if it was him from the 80s here now because he is kind of a goofy looking guy but he does amazing work and so it's it's such a dichotomy of talent versus looks where yeah i understand looks is a thing but can talent overtake looks well it's also so interesting to me because we're having all these conversations now more than ever mm-hmm. about showing uh, different looks and mm-hmm. and and you know racial diversity and mm-hmm. uh, like we're having these con- body image and mm-hmm. and you know not making women have to fit this sort of bill we're having this conversation more than ever in hollywood mm-hmm. Yet, the standard for beauty is, I would say, like, like tinier and tinier mm-hmm. every year. Mm-hmm. Like, I, the standard for, for male and, and female beauty mm-hmm. is, like, harder to attain mm-hmm. now more than ever. And because of celebrity culture and all of this. And, you know, obviously the golden age of Hollywood had its, had its kind of standards for mm-hmm. beauty. But, um... There was a lot of makeup and there was more curves and there, you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. there was a little more um, showmanship as opposed to just needing to look like without makeup, just look like perfect Mm -hmm. all the time. And so it's just, it's just kind of ironic to me because I feel like this, the sort of abs muscle guy is Mm -hmm. like the leading guy of every Mm -hmm. movie I see and, or many of the movies I see and this um, glamorous, thin long-haired woman mm-hmm. is the standard for much of the auditions mm-hmm. that I see. Or you put glasses on her and she becomes nerdy. Right, 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 right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I love a lot of CW shows, right. but it's like, Jesus Christ, like all of these actors are like just so hot. Yeah. And that's kind of like, it's like oh, he's the weirdo, but he's smoldering. He's it's like, smoldering. What? That's, I knew nobody. Nobody that looked like that in high school. Yes. Oh Not my God. one Don't single person. Not high school casting. <laughs> I'm like, what? Uh, 
Yeah. I'll tell you, when I was younger... But there, it's ironic. Yeah. I just want to say, it's it's very backwards that we're having these conversations now more than ever. But, but it still, seems like the standard for beauty is is more difficult to attain mm-hmm. than ever. When I was younger, there was a movie called Angus. I know it's about a bigger kid in school that loved the head cheerleader. Oh, wonderful. And he obviously is made fun of. He's bullied about his weight. And he he at first doesn't care, but then kind of grows to care throughout it and then but in the end he gets the girl and it was the first movie that i ever saw where it was like a big guy got the beautiful girl mm-hmm. and i was like thank you like 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 we have like we have more stuff to offer than hey guys i'm i'm the big bad big fat kid that just funny and says stupid things like right. it's like he actually had emotions and was a person and it always frustrated me as a bigger kid and a bigger guy that Again, kind of like you said, like there's more people being represented nowadays. And I, I like thinking about like, you know, minority and color and, and different uh, 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 sexualities and stuff that are being represented, which need to be represented and goes back into image, like same body image and looks and things like that. But it's like you if, if we can start looking past that, if people can start writing characters that don't have to be hunky white guys or long blonde you know white girls like can we you know really start looking past generic casting and go this person can be anybody because anybody can be this person so i i I do think that it's starting to happen i was at an asians panel recently where they actually told me that my headshot was too pretty oh wow and they were like people are casting more like natural looking Mm -hmm. um actors now so Mm -hmm. like they were like you know Try to get some shots where you're actually like less pretty because, uh, you know, things not, they weren't saying I was too done up. They were just saying like, it's more, there's like, I, like I have this look that I need some other options. Um, because so that actually gave me a little hope. Like, and I think that that's true for some of the, you know, some of the shows that Mm -hmm. I watch, like it's a little more real life, especially these kind of like courtroom dramas and things like that. But you know, it's, it's the, the classic, you know, insecure actor thing. It comes from a real place Mm -hmm. because we're expected to be everything at once. We're expected to be really talented and and like you know have this proved um, exude success and warmth and also have enough time to be going to the gym all the time and have perfect skin. Yeah. Have you know it's like like the the I will just say it the sheer cost of maintaining like physical beauty beauty mm-hmm. standards is astronomical astronomical like i mean facials whatever going to the gym this and that like this comes back to just the thing i said in the previous episode which Mm -hmm. is like it costs a lot of money Mm -hmm. to be an actor i agree i think it's 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 really difficult because you you understand that there's this this image and you understand that it is what it is. It definitely, it's gotten better since, I mean, obviously since the 50s mm-hmm. and the 40s when they were, you know, giving drugs and pills to right. their actresses and forcing them to like, into just not eating. But it's still this weird aspect where I think also in the sense of like what it does to society and how society looks at beauty in general, the arts and film is definitely a window into our world. And if we're not showing realistic aspects of that, then we're sending a message that's incomplete. Right. And that's the difficulty is like, I think that we do have a responsibility Mm -hmm. if kids are going to be watching our content, you know, if like you want to be representing a a ton of different types of people Mm -hmm. and different lifestyles, we have a responsibility because I know we both know what it's Mm -hmm. like to grow up feeling like, 
you're not enough because mm-hmm. the media only portrays one type of person as being good and enough. They and approved. The, and the approved type of person, mm-hmm. right? So, and that's just has such a toxic effect on the whole society. Going back kind of just to talking about it, you know how you, t- you when you ex- discuss something, you almost have personal realizations about something. Mm-hmm. Like think about it. Cause I remember when I was younger, how if I wasn't being funny and I got serious, people got really uncomfortable with me being serious. And I start thinking about it. I was like going, well, you know, big guys are always the funny guy in movies. So is it that that was the expectation? These character tropes really affect our actual normal socialization Mm -hmm. in real life. Mm -hmm. Right. I have to deal with my own kind. I'm like, I'm this, you know, like hyper feminine blonde. Right. Right. And I'm really intense and I'm very like, intellectual and and heady about things I talk about and people do not know how to deal with those different parts of me often Mm -hmm. because they want me to just be this sort of like woman who just is like flirty and when I suddenly am like really good with business Mm -hmm. that really freaks people out you know or very practical or have good boundaries like it's it's yeah it's been so very much my life experience Mm -hmm. and yours too as you're saying that like these sort of tropes that that care of characters we see in film actually affect our socialization as kids so much and makes us feel like we're not accepted as fully complete human beings. Yeah. Well, it's that, you know, kind of goes with how some guys can't handle, I say handle in the, in the only way I can think of, like in the strong, independent women. And it feels weird for them because they're raised in this thing where the girl needs the guy. She'll give up everything for the guy. She'll give up a career for the guy. The guy's the smarter one. The girl makes the mistakes. Mm-hmm. And, and it's kind of like, that's that's not how the world works. Like I like thank God I was raised by a a, a a a single mom for the most part. You know, my dad was around, but like you know, my mom definitely had a bigger role in raising me. And it's just I I get that. Like like women are strong people who can live their lives without men. And the fact that Hollywood sometimes refuses to show that is frustrating. And usually when I write, it's I love writing strong women because I hate tropes of like women that just need a man I'll, 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 an example the first season of the show gotham um uh, jim gordon had a girlfriend in it and for the first season literally she could have been a coat rack yeah and it would have it, it would have been the same character she just was there to take his jacket when she got home and hear his troubles and just be that per- i mean they they evolved her character thank god but it was just what is this character that you've written like she, I, how did, why would you take this role? Like, so, unless maybe they promised her it gets better and maybe that's what they did. But may man. I speak to that yeah, on a please, personal level? Please. So there's this feminist theory of the sexy lamp, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. if you can replace this female character with a sexy lamp, yeah. then the, this is a shitty, uh, unfeminist story. Right. Which is basically th- what that means a little more specifically for your listeners mm-hmm. is like this character has no agency mm-hmm. and just sort of exists as an object attached to the There's male. There's no independence. She's right. just connected to this She's person. She's just connected to other things yeah. and just sort of like used to move the plot line of the mm-hmm. male characters along. But my friends, my best friend Sarah calls me and this is this is not an insult to me, but mm-hmm. she calls me the human personification of the sexy lamp theory because like men often treat me like this sort of 
like projected thing that they put a lot of stuff onto that Mm -hmm. has nothing to do with me, Mm -hmm. nothing to do with me. And because of this sort of image that I project of like, whatever, like female Mm -hmm. beauty and whatever you want to call it. Yeah. I'm often, I'm often put into this sort of role that has nothing to do with my own desires my own thoughts like it's so much about the other person and 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 again it's like we're kind of conditioned to treat people a certain way based on very very superficial things about them so i try to have compassion for it but it it, sometimes i'm just like you don't know anything about me or or you know among new friends or new Mm. social circles like Everything you've assumed about me is wrong. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So, you know, one of the things I think we kind of talked about a little bit is, you know, social media and how it has has caused a lot of issues with fitness and looks and how. But I think also it's also helped because you have a lot of fitness people on there doing free like workout tips and workout videos that you can watch or work live workouts. Um, What are your thoughts with how? social media has either altered or changed how we see beauty or hurt how we see beauty? I don't think that it's changed anything. I think that it's just worsened what is already there. I mean, I think that like, you know, the media celebrity culture, even in the early 2000s was already, and just sort of um, like fetishization of like money and like thinness, like that already existed. It's just gotten progressively louder because of social media, because I mean, I think that now you know, celebrities are able to post their own content and it's, it just makes you overexposed all the time to like this idea of perfection that is often edited. Um, that's, you know, that's a big thing that I just think about a lot is these photos that we're seeing is like, uh, they're edited, literally like altered or even like, I mean, a lot of fitness people will, will, um, show this. They'll, they'll do a post that's like, it's just how I'm posing, (laughs) you know, but if you're only looking at people posing, and like the ribs are sticking out and they've got abs and you're like, this is what I should look like. And you are like in really great shape and you think there's something wrong with you because you don't always look like that. That's so unhealthy. But like, this is, this is what we're exposed to all the time. Um, I mean, so anyway, I think that all of it existed before though. I think that we're just kind of over, over saturated with it more than ever because we are carrying these little things on right. on our sides or in front of our eyes all the time right. especially when like no filter pictures or you know no makeup fit pictures are kind of like applauded and it's like oh you didn't put on a filter or like take 30,000 photos to get just the right light and the right facial expression and the right moment and the right, right. you know just that everything is perfect well that's another funny thing is like yeah like hashtag no makeup when i when i'll admit it's like if i say hashtag no makeup right mm-hmm. and i'm posting a photo right i'm, I'm probably in great lighting mm-hmm. um i have my eyebrows microbladed so right. basically like i have a tattoo <laughs> right. of perfect eyebrows you know like i've i've so probably I. I've, <laughs> <laughs> I probably just like had a facial and right. my skin looks great right you know right. and it's I'm just being real is like mm-hmm. I, and that happens a lot like I, I saw a great this great tweet where where someone you know tweeted at this Instagram model like oh you know I wish I looked as perfect as you like when I woke up with no makeup if I looked that great like I would I would my life would be perfect and the model tweeted back and she goes 
I had my eyebrows microbladed. Like, I have lip injections. My face doesn't look like this. <laughs> it's all fake. It's all fake. Hey, at least she's I'm honest, like, Damn. Man. Yeah, I mean, she, yeah, she is. And I, I think I touched on this when we were, you know, talking about body image and castings and everything. Mm-hmm. It's like, the, the difficulty is, you know, things are changing a little bit, maybe. Um, but this is part of the business we're in. Yeah. It is, you know, and I take that seriously, like the way that you present yourself and, you know, being whatever, you know, fitting your type. It's part of it. It's always been part of it. Now, L.A. obviously has a very health uh, culture, very Mm -hmm. fitness oriented uh, culture. If you're vegan, if you're vegetarian, if you don't like gluten, this is kind of a place to live. Yeah, that's just known. And that's something that everyone knows they have to have a gluten menu. And if they don't, it's kind of looked down upon a little bit. Or a gluten-free menu. Right. Um, has, for you personally, has LA changed or uh, resurrected or enhanced your own health and fitness routine or wildly, lifestyle? Wildly changed it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, so I do have like food issue, allergy th- things. Um, I read this book actually that uh, someone on Inside Acting recommended a couple years ago that totally um, like changed my life. Mm-hmm. It was this... A book that was about um, like depression, like women with depression and how to combat it through food and rest and exercise. Um, And, you know, a big part of that is eating dairy free and gluten free because those things really do um, not only mess with your body, but mess with your mood. So I tried it out and it really is a game changer for me. Really? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I I think, you know, I think that that goes back also like not only physicality-wise with what eating healthy does to you and what, you know, r- proper exercises do internally, but also that confidence that comes with it, with it as you grow. That's you true. Know? I mean, I the, the difficulty was when I read this in Philly, I, I, like, lived with my boyfriend who was a chef and worked at, um, worked at this amazing cafe mm-hmm. with, like, all delicious desserts. And I had to deal with a lot of shame around, like, asking for what I needed. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a lot of shame, especially for women like being like I'm gluten free. They make fun of it so much and for me, like the factual reality is that when I eat bread, mm-hmm. like wheat things, mm-hmm. and I've been tested, I have a real allergy, right. like right. it's not in my head. So I had to deal with this like weird shame because people make fun of it so much. And then I moved here and you know part of it's like away from my family and all of that, mm-hmm. but I actually find it really freeing because people here really do get it. Like they're they're like, yeah, no problem. And I didn't have to deal with feeling all awkward and embarrassed that I couldn't eat bread because it would make me want to die. Right. Like people are just understanding of that. So that's actually been freeing for me in terms of fitness i've like had like exercise phobia Mm -hmm. my whole life and for like a host of health reasons i actually hadn't even been in like pe since i was in seventh sixth grade Mm -hmm. so like real out of shape um and uh when i when i moved here i a friend of mine invited me to join orange theory which is like interval high intensity interval training rowing strength training group class so I, I was like, I don't want to do this at all. And it terrifies me. So I'm just going to go to one. Right. And I signed up and now I do it. And I'm like, right now I'm in the transformation challenge at Orange Theory and <laughs> transformation kind challenge. of feeling like I'm going to die because I worked, <laughs> I did four classes last week and that's a lot. You know, I, I've seen you post a lot of like post workout selfies and, and, and pre-workout selfies. And, you know, I know other people do that as well. And I think that's really inspiring because especially when you also mentioned about like 
how much not you personally but other people that maybe didn't love their body at first or like you kind of said like i think you even posted once about having like workout phobia and not you know really being into working out and now your whole mindset's changed and it really has know, i think it's inspiring that people need to see that they need to see that people that have had issues with that or had fear or uh, uh challenges with working out or healthy eating how they've changed and how you know anybody can do it you just have to really push through those well and it's not just like i want to be skinny thing like it's a i want to feel good thing i want to feel powerful in my body i want to feel capable in my body and like i have spent my entire life not feeling those things um so so yeah i mean it's it's interesting and i'm i'm hyper aware of it that la has this dichotomy of like it's been so helpful for me like on a physical level taking care of my body but we do but we are in this like extreme version of superficiality in our industry mm-hmm. and, and it kind of in LA itself. Yeah. So, um, I, I mean, I don't know. Cause it's, it's and honestly, my answers to interview questions are always basically this is like, both things are true. Mm-hmm. Gray area. <laughs> like, I tend to be a gray area yeah. person. Which that's fine. There's, yeah. There's like it's not areas. black or white because there, I think there's so like the, the culture of wellness, I call it in Los Angeles is, has been really beneficial for me. Good. Um, but the you know just the obsession with how we look and how we're cast and um you know what that what how we look and what that means for the opportunities we're given like that's that shit is real and that gets exhausting sometimes i eat things that i never thought i would ever eat i've eaten more kale (laughs) in the last three years than my entire life and you know I, i cook better i eat better and i think that's really important that's something that you know, for me, I love hamburgers. I love queso and tacos and all that stuff. But when you can really discipline yourself to cook at home mm-hmm. and not cook out of a box yeah. and take the time to cut some vegetables and you, you can find recipes that take 15 minutes to make and it's not that hard. It's very yin and yang mm-hmm. for me because I get frustrated sometimes because I'm like, oh, I've got to cook. But then at the same time, when I'm doing it, when I'm cutting and like putting, creating something, it's kind of, that artistic thing of me, I guess, creating something out of several different pieces. Especially if you can share it with someone. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Just kind of finalize this topic, how to work out has changed. Mm -hmm. And you can now work out from the comfort of your own home with streaming sites. Beachbody has several streaming videos or, you know, you can buy DVDs and Blu-rays of of workout videos. Apps. Yeah. Apps as well. And then, um, like I said, there's people who are personal trainers or workout companies that do Instagram live workouts and post on YouTube, you know, how do you feel that is, what do you, how do you, what do you think that's done for the fitness industry and for the people that are looking for a way to do it? Has it helped? Does it hurt? Is it better? Is it worse? Or is it just kind of just a new addition? This is an interesting question. I don't feel that I'm a good person to speak to it because I am more and more just everything I do affirm that I'm an extrovert. So I want to do these like workout at home, you know, for free, Mm -hmm. follow the Instagram peoples and do their, (laughs) you know, little, like there's so much you can do at home for free. You don't even need a gym. My favorite Mm -hmm. fitness writer on Instagram, like she is, does not belong to a gym. Like she just does. She's a mom. Mm -hmm. Like she just does stuff at home with like things she already has. And I think that's so badass. I, however, am such an extrovert that, like, I really need the socialization. Like, I need the social aspect of something like Orange Theory or even just going to a yoga class with a friend, hopefully. Like, it, it, it 
feels a lot better for me to do that. And when I try to work out at home, it just doesn't feel right. Well, I think that's important too, because when you're, if you do work out by yourself at home, there's, you, you kind of have to be more self-motivated because you don't have the people kind of like going, that's great. You're doing great. Keep it up. Keep up 10 more, 10 more, you know, like really pushing you forward. You have to be able to do yourself. Accountability is like so important. And if you can do it without the accountability, without the friend, without the class, like go ahead. I don't know many people who can really do that, to be honest. Like, I don't know that many unless their, like, job is to post on Instagram (laughs) about their workouts. I'm just being real. No, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, my my wife has started, uh, as a free shout out to them, but started working with a company called Tone It Up. And it's two women who started this business. They actually had a show on Bravo for a season. Wow. Yeah. um, Right when they were probably just getting big. And they, they're kind of where I've learned, like doing the Instagram live workouts and you free YouTube videos. And they're all about community and they're all about like, I think this is what works for them is that even though it's a lot of home workouts, they're big about share your workouts on Instagram. And they actually ask or push that you start an Instagram account just for working out. And so usually they want you to add like a TIU for tone it up in front of it. So like me would be TIU Daniel. Cool. And that way there you post your, your, how you've changed, what you're eating. That way you get support from all over the globe from people. So you still get that back. Hey, you're doing great. Keep up the hard work. And so that's been interesting to see. But then also I've been a part of gyms where you go to classes. And so I think there are definitely, I think like you said, gray area where there's pros and cons. It's really just about who you are. Like you said, you know, you're an extrovert. Mm -hmm. You like that socialization. I'm kind of the same way. So I think that's why that works better for me. Well, it's cool though that Tone It Up has that aspect of, you know, like communicating and and building a community around what it is. And they do a ton of group workouts all over the U.S. and stuff. They go just tour. And some are free, some you have to pay, depending on what it is. If you're listening, love to have you on the podcast. But, um, but yeah, it's it's to me that's really interesting. I think that's definitely helped people in a lot of ways. People that can't get away from the house, so that's definitely a big thing. It's just a little harder because the motivation. Yeah. Has to be there. No, I'm just. I if, if you can do it, go, good for you. I can't. I can't. I I can't get stuff done. Absolutely. I sometimes will do yoga. I see. Absolutely. Like I know. Yeah, you're the worst <laughs> at getting stuff done. No, yes. no, no. I'm just. I'm just like I I I can't even conceptualize regularly working out at home. Right. So, but if it works for you, do that because Bravo. it's free it's like yeah right. definitely so let's chat about books oh that's okay. my trans I'm the, I'm, I'm, I'm the master of transitions no problem in the show. i'm and always down to talk about books <laughs> what books personally for you have transformed or inspired you to either you know act or to change something about your life or just be a better you you know what 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 books do you recommend that i mean i think you know i read like more than 50 books a year, usually like 75. So it's a big question to ask me. I just got overwhelmed. Yeah, (laughs) like I I, I, I can't just, um, you know, like I'm a big believer in self-education. So like most of what has inspired me ever has been like (laughs) through a book. So if you could just go through the list, every book you've ever read. Yeah, every book I know. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, oh, listen, we don't have time. I have a book podcast. Like, this is not, this is, there are 50 hours of content already about this. Um, so, uh, I mean, the things, the things particularly, like the things relating to the industry right now that I, that I'm recommending people. Uh, I do love Jenna Fisher's book, right. The Actor's Life, which I just read. Um, I think that Jenna just has like really practical advice and um, 
you know, if you're, if you're really starting out in the industry, it's particularly helpful and even like have questions like, you know, how to act when you're a guest star. Like she has stuff like segments of the book dedicated to that. It's very practical. Um, Acting the First Six Lessons by Richard Wolosowski is a wonderful book. It really, really pushes um, like how important it is to be just educated in so many areas, whether it's philosophy, art, you know, history, and also just uh, like having a a regular practice for your body, whether it's yoga, gymnastics, learning how to do your own makeup, like all of that is so necessary um, for the life of an actor. Or for the craft of an actor. Right. So I love acting the first six lessons. Um, let's see. The Art of Asking by Amanda Palmer is something that I have been telling everyone to I know you've read. mentioned that one to me before I've, I've, well. I've de- I think I've probably mentioned to you a few times yeah. because Art of Asking, I read last year for the first time and that's just been... A ga- that's been a game changer mm-hmm. book and now if you don't know amanda palmer of the dresden dolls is this like punk rock badass girl who um you know feminist icon musician she had the first uh kickstarter campaign ever to raise over a million dollars and um and eventually she married neil gaiman who's mm-hmm. the best <laughs> and uh she she writes extensively in her book actually about needing to like borrow money from right. him and how hard that was right. so if you're you you know, I think a lot of artists have trouble asking for help. And the the funny thing is like, if you just ask, the answer is usually yes. Right. And we carry so much fear with uh, in, you know, within us asking for help. Yet all of these creators that I know, like you included, mm-hmm. are the first to jump in and be generous and offer whatever you have to people it, without being asked. You're like, let me help you with this. Right. But when it comes to our own, you know, our own work, our own needs financially, we have no idea how to ask. And it's, it's not that hard, but like you need to read this whole book to start asking. <laughs> it's beautiful. It is part memoir. It's just Amanda is, I listened to the audiobook and of course she's a wonderful reader because she's a performer. And um, I mean, it just really helped me. It helped me. And you know, the reality is besides just like learning how to ask, you know, being in LA, being an actor in LA mm-hmm. is expensive. Right. And we forget, we like think that it's normal to do the thing we're trying to do, like living in this expensive city and putting all this money into headshots and everything else, all of these materials, you know, workshops we have to go to. Um, And, you know, it wasn't always like this. The expectation was not always for artists to be rich and famous. Like that's, that's a new thing. But also for years, you know, people had patrons. Um, Artists had you know, years that they were in school studying under like a master um, and we don't have that kind of system anymore. So, so we forget that this is a really, really hard thing we're doing with much less support than um, what has existed previously in the world. So that's why things like Patreon are really cool. Yeah. We, we, you know, I I think I've mentioned before uh, and I've mentioned to you making movies for fun and profit were by uh, Thomas Lennon and Robert Ben Grant was the book that kind of got me in LA just like, I want to be a part of that world. Like, I want to be in that world. I want to be part of that system mm-hmm. as crazy and messed up as it is. I know you mean. I mean, I, we were all insane. Like, right. let's be honest. We're all insane people that for wanting to do this. And, you know, another book that really inspired me a while back and is a book called Wild at Heart. And it's a, uh, it's, it's a faith-based book. Okay. Um, but it deals a lot with masculinity. And oh. what it means to be a man and the myths of being a man. 
I love and that. It's it really. I read it when I was around eighteen, and it really like just hit me. And it de- and I it kind of helped me deal with a lot of issues I was dealing with at the time. And it really delves into like what what people what the view of a man is and what you can be. That sounds so important right yeah, now. Like absolutely. that's wonderful that you yeah, read that. It, it was re- it was really helpful, and it deals with kind of like what the instincts of a man are. And I actually I've suggested it to several women as well to read because I think it gives a nice insight of who the you know people think men are very simple in a lot of ways, but you know we're all complicated creatures. We all have complicated pasts and emotions and scars and histories, and and so I think it's really interesting to read that to be like this is how men look at how they should live. And they should be the strong ones for their family or the, you know, if, you know, the strong ones. And I feel that too. Like I want to be for my family. I want to be the strong emotional support for my wife when she's frustrated. But it also looks like there needs to be a give and take. Right. There needs to be this, you know, if, if the guy struggling with the woman sometimes needs to be the strong one as well and vice versa and should be. And I think that's what I makes think that's a good true, partner. But I also think, I mean, the main thing is just like our socialization and our culture yeah. has hurt everyone. Absolutely. It's hurt women, obviously. Yeah. It really has. And that's something that has to what? be noticed. And, but, but it's also hurt men. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's a, this is a whole other conversation. <laughs> wow. No. Well, the, the great thing is it was written by this guy who both him and his wife were both psychi- psychiatrists and psychologists and his wife wrote a female version of, mm-hmm. of the same book uh, pretty much. And, cool. and so it's, I forget what the hers, I think it's called like grace at heart or something like that. Mm-hmm. But, um, and I, that really, as a, just growing up as a, a man really helped me realize like what I can be in a mm-hmm. lot of ways and, and, and not, you don't have to listen to what society wants you to be in yeah. a lot of ways. So I'm going to list a few more because yeah, we're running please. out of time. Yeah, um, Shonda Rhimes book year of yes is absolutely awesome. It's like, you know, she's the, she's the EP on Scandal, right. Grey's Anatomy, everything. Um, <laughs> Thursday and, nights, pretty much. Yes, she's the, <laughs> she's the executive producer of Thursday, Thursday nights yeah. um, in America. <laughs> and uh, so she has this book called Year of Yes that I just, is, is about conquering her fears and, you know, and totally related to the entertainment industry as well. I just adore that book. Um, another one, I'm, uh, my favorite actor is John Leguizamo. Right. And his, all of his work is just like, he he his memoir and his um one man shows that he's written are incredible and i think that he's someone to really look into if you're feeling stuck or if you're feeling like you aren't you know being given the opportunities that you want because john is someone who you know is this was this incredibly educated trained passionate actor who was really only offered like you know bit drug dealer right. guest star roles because he's an actor from Queens. And he eventually was just like, I hate this. I'm going to write my own thing. I'm going to work my ass off and workshop it. And, you know, in, in New York, and he eventually had these shows going up off Broadway and, and, um, and for the first time kids were showing up to the theater. Um, He's, you know, kids who are not white, also, and it's I just real, I, real people. Real, well, yeah, it wasn't just old white people, yeah. and I mean, so anyway, John Leguizamo, any of his books, particularly his um, his one man show on called Ghetto Clown on HBO, and then his the graphic novelization of it, which right. is so awesome. <laughs> like, check those out. It's all about his Hollywood, his Hollywood life. Okay. Um, yeah, those are those are big ones for me. 
And I mean, again, it's like the list goes on and on and on, but I think that it's just really important both to study the craft and to read memoirs of people working in the industry, but also to like do a hell of a lot of work on yourself. Right. Um, Where do you have any places that you suggest people go in Los Angeles to look at books or read books or buy books? Yeah, there's some great bookstores here. I mean, the first one that comes to mind is the one, of course, that I'm like close to and and on good, good friends with, but Mm -hmm. Skylight Books on Vermont Ave is awesome. It's a very... Um, you know, warm, open, light, like independent bookstore that has a little bit of a political stance. Like right. they're 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 not a political bookstore, but they're very outspoken about their views, which I love. It feels so real. Um, and then I also I do adore the last bookstore in downtown That's LA. A really nice one. It's just so cool. Yeah, it's, re- it's, it's this, just the vibe of it is really awesome. Yeah, and that's the first bookstore I ever went to here, mm-hmm. so I've got a lot of love for it. I wish there, there's a place. I don't know if it's a national chain, but there's a place in Dallas called Half Price Books where it's a used bookstore, and it's just. I mean, it's like what you'd see in a movie of just like stacks on stacks on stacks of books, yeah. and I I miss that place so much because you just literally just I want to go buy a new book and you go and four dollars and buy a book that somebody else is given to share with the world you know yeah and of course it's important to to mention uh, Samuel French the drama, oh, book, the drama book shop which is just mecca mm. as I call it I'm like this is everything I care Sunshine's about in down. one room <laughs> oh. is that what happens when you go through the door yeah. so the sound the is... first time I walked in there I was like oh no <laughs> I could have spent so much okay, money okay. here. I I feel like I I went to I think a Samuel French in New York, and mm-hmm. I felt like I was gonna break something. Like I felt just like like it was like a museum of just scripts. And it, it is a fantastic holy place, and <laughs> you really have to, to treat it with respect. <laughs> Take your shoes off when you come in. Yeah. Don't touch anything without gloves. You got to be careful. Um, I think you know my my last kind of thing with books is: Do you feel there's a different, I mean, obviously, what do you think the difference between listening to a book and reading a book is? And is there, do you have a preference? Well, so some people are like really intense about this. They're like, listening to a book is not reading a book. They're like, this, you know, that is just being read to. It's not the same as reading. I think that is so fucked up mm-hmm. and so ableist mm-hmm. because like, okay, so if you are dyslexic or you're blind, yeah. like you're, you've never read a book. It's the stupidest, like, it's, yeah. it's so, I think that is the, so weird. It's just one of these weird ego things that people do to feel like they're better than other people because they read with their eyes. Like, Ooh. what? So, um, <clears throat> I, I mean, I prefer eye reading, as I call it, <laughs> uh, just because I think that I can, I, like, remember things better when I, when I'm looking at it and, um, right. uh, it's, it, honestly, it's not even about remembering. I just focus better because right. when I when I ear read an audiobook, mm-hmm. I tend to be like distracted by cleaning or something, and that's on me. Right. Um, so I I love both. I mean, I think that audiobook narrators can really make a book. My favorite audiobook is Silver Linings Playbook, oh, which nice. is just amazingly performed. Yeah, Go it's Eagles. a really good one. <laughs> They won the Super Bowl. Just in case anyone's wondering, the they Eagles won the, won the Super Bowl. Super Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> fly, Eagles, fly. <laughs> Bradley Cooper was in the stands. I know. For it. Someone tweeted, like, uh, this rapper I tweeted was like, I feel like if Bradley Cooper's at the Eagles game, he has to wear the trash bag. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. If he had been, that would have been amazing. I watched, like, a thing of, like, compilation of, like, celebrity reaction videos oh, to yeah. it. And some were just so funny because just, like, screaming. Like, just, ah! 
We go hard in Philadelphia. Hey, you know, I, I'd if be, you if you haven't oh seen God. any news in the past right. two weeks, <laughs> well, it was all first Super Bowl. Like that's that's just amazing in its own right. You know, seeing I think the things that always get me are when you see like the older fans mm-hmm. who have been watching all of their lives and just waited for this moment. And you just, and like you see the reactions of like a lot of the younger people are screaming and yelling and the older ones are just sitting there just in tears. Yeah. And it's like, I get it. And so like, that's the stuff. Like it's, it's fun to see that and see other people's pride in their team. And so whenever I see other teams win and especially like this, their first Super Bowl, it's always exciting. Enough of Super Bowl talk. Anyways, <laughs> um, before we get into the final thing, where can people find you online? Sure. Um, so I'm most active on Instagram, and that's at Grace Gordon Official. Um, I also I have a Twitter underscore Grace Gordon underscore. I honestly don't use it that much. Um, you retweet and like a lot. That's yeah, kinda, I don't. I, I just don't really like Twitter. Yeah. Uh, I think it's a negative space. It's a negative space. Yeah, yeah. And I just don't feel like I have anything that I want to contribute there. Um, I also, you know, I have a website, gracegordonofficial.com. It's a really nice website, Thank by you. the way. I've, Thank I've seen you. a lot of actors' websites, and I re- I like kind of how yours changes the photo as you scroll and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, really I, cool. I, what I did was I found an actor, um, one of my favorite actors and mentors, Sherilyn mm-hmm. Fenn from Twin Peaks. Oh, nice. Her site is what mine was kind of based oh, that's off awesome. of. Uh, I just really liked the way hers was set up, right. and so I was like, here, make it look kind it of It flows like really this. easily, and, and that's... Something I like, I like looking at actor sites because sometimes they're really bad. They can be really bad, yeah. yeah. Um, I think I mean, those are the main, those are the main okay. places to find me, yeah. Gotcha. And if you have some questions for Grace, email us at hollywoodhustlepodcast at gmail.com. We'll be more than happy to ask her. Uh, she'll be more than happy, I'm sure, to answer. Uh, she's just the sweetest person, so I don't doubt she would answer. Thanks. Um, real quick, thank you so much for yeah, joining this was us. So fun. Uh, I, I know we're gonna meet again and have you on again at some other point, but. Uh, it's just been a pleasure to sit down with you. But first, before we go, okay, before Facebook and after Friendster, there was a space that people wasted all their time on. A space? Called, Whose space? It wasn't your space. Was it my space? <laughs> it was my space. my space. No, it was my space. It was your space. <laughs> and, you know, there, the top six or top eight was the most important thing. And if you weren't in somebody's top six, there were issues. And Ooh. you played your favorite 90s song in the background of your profile. And... It took forever to load most of the time, but we found this 167 uh, question quiz that is from MySpace because you used to do useless MySpace questions. You picked six numbers before we started. Oh, boy. And so you have not heard these questions, No, correct? I haven't. So I'm going to tell you this. Some of these are personal can I just, questions. Can oh. I just quickly add, actually, I'd only like people to contact me through my MySpace. If you oh. can find it, if you can find it, <laughs> it's still it. out there. You I know, know that you it's out there. You deserve to get a answer question it. if you find I'll it. I'll answer any question That's, if man, you contact me through any, MySpace. That, I think that any question should be answered <laughs> yeah. through that. Um, now, some of these are personal. If, if for some reason you don't want to answer it, just say pass and I'll go to the question below it. Sure. And these don't need explanations. <laughs> it's just <laughs> legit like yes, no, and maybe an answer. Okay. Whatever it is. All right. Are you ready for your MySpace quiz, Grace Gordon? I'm ready. All right. Question number one. Have you ever been cheated on? Yes. We went hard at the first question. Wow, that was intense. <laughs> I'm starting you off hard. Now it's going to just be go downhill from there. Uh, number, the next question. What are you craving right now? A nap. <laughs> Aren't we all? Uh, next question. Do you want any pets? Yeah, I really want a bull terrier. I, I specifically want a bull terrier and to name it Miles Teller because they look exactly the same. <laughs> exactly That's the same. Amazing. It's a whole thing. <laughs> That's amazing if I answer. Next question. What year has been your best year? Haven't had it yet. 
Oh, all right. I haven't had that answer yet. That's good. Uh, your next question. Have you ever smoked a cigar? Yes. Many times. <laughs> and your final question of your MySpace quiz, it goes quick, <laughs> is do you have a friend of the opposite sex who you can act your complete self around? Oh, definitely. But I am not a teenager. <laughs> so <laughs> back in back, so back in when the I was thirteen, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> when MySpace was still a thing. My... Before Justin Timberlake got it. Well, thank you so much for answering these questions. Thank you. You're the best. And back to you guys in the studio. are back. That was an amazing discussion. And I'd like to thank Grace Gordon again for being on our show. I, I wish, I wish, I wish I could have been there to just listen to this conversation. Now, you may have caught that towards the end, Daniel and Grace uh, celebrated the Philadelphia Eagles' uh, Super Bowl win. And that's because this was recorded separately from when Act 1 was recorded. Because if you may remember, because in Act 1, they were, of course, discussing who was going to win. But now, of Obviously, you just heard they were celebrating the win for the Eagles. So all that said, Grace and Daniel shared a lot with us today. And I'd like to thank them for their courage speaking about these issues that can be difficult for many people. And I know that in our intro today, I was a little longer than normal. So I want to make this outro quick. So my big takeaway is that I think it's important to acknowledge that while the industry has made some big changes in recent years, that it's now more important than ever that we continue to fight for change and representation in the content that the entertainment industry produces. From who's cast, to how they look, to the stories that are being told. To quote our former guest Nick Smith from Leading Lobos, LA's biggest export is culture. And as artists and consumers, we have the responsibility that we need to make sure that that message is one of inclusion and diversity. That's one of the reasons I know why Daniel and I started this podcast, was to give the voice to those whose story needs to be heard. Now, we would love to hear from you about what you thought about this exciting interview series. If you haven't yet, definitely listen to the previous episode to hear about Grace's journey into acting and Los Angeles. We would also love to hear from you about your recommendations for books that inspire you. If you enjoyed today's episode, please give us a rating on iTunes or whatever platform you're listening to us on. Follow us on social media. Again, on Twitter, we're at LA Hustlecast, Instagram and Facebook at Hollywood Hustle Podcast. And as always, you can send us a message to Hollywood Hustle Podcast at gmail.com. Now, next week, we continue our Inside Acting Podcast tour with Trevor Algott's co host of nine years, Mr. A.J. Meyer. Daniel talks with AJ, whose journey began in Victorville, California, and stretches from Los Angeles, and even how he wound up on the off-Broadway production of Heather's The Musical in New York City, all the while booking work in television and film. And of course, we talk about his personal journey into podcasting life with Inside Acting. Until then, remember to be a force for change. Never be afraid to ask how to start on a new path, and always remember to keep up the hustle. This episode was hosted by Daniel Tuttle and produced with Michael Lutheran. Gordon Meacham is our associate producer, and Mike Tobias edited our website. 
For more information, visit our website at hollywoodhustlepodcast.com. Oh, my God.